Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 10th, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 98, and we will begin with the first full paragraph on that page. It is not the matter of giving that is in question. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, January 9th, is 3645. That's 3645. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Irini to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. 1. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you and I pass. Thank you very much, Irini. I'd now like to ask Margaret to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. 
lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker's should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are in chapter 7 working with others on page 98 and we're going to begin today with the first full paragraph on that page beginning with it is not the matter of giving that is in question and this morning I'd like to ask Katie to please start. I'm Katie a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. It is not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. That often makes a difference between failure and success. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. He clamors for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people, a head of dependence on God. And, you know, I want to focus on this um, first sentence. Uh, It's not a matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. You know, I I meet a lot of people who I think, you know, could qualify for this program, but I don't... um, hunt people down. I don't, um, you know, this is saying that, that the, the newcomer is the one who has to take um, that first step. They have to be ready um, to go to any length for their recovery and willing to do whatever they're asked. Um, when I wasn't ready, I was making excuses. You know, well, if you had my job, if you, you know, I work too many hours, I, I, um, cannot, um, you know, do this or that. I can't go to that many meetings. You know, it's just excuses. And no one said, well, I'll just bring a meeting to you. You know, we don't do that. We don't hunt people down. Um, and this is just confirming the fact that um, those things are nonsense, uh, that people have to you take that first step and um put their dependence on God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Robin. Go ahead, Robin. Um, This is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. This is is by far one of my, these, these couple of paragraphs here are so important to me. And we're talking about learning how to sponsor. 
one of these paragraphs. And I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people where they're using, um, and I've done it myself too, using somebody else as an excuse why they can't be happy, why it's hard to work this program, why they can't make it to a meeting, um, why, I don't know, all the different reasons, you know, that you dig your heels in and decide that you can't do something that this program requires of us. And in this last sentence, it's it's right here, job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. If I'm using somebody else as an excuse, if I'm using some other people, place, or, or um, thing as an excuse, to um to to not take personal responsibility for my program then i'm not going to get well because it's an inside job it's just between me and god i mean i i could be in prison and do this program i could be living in a castle and do this program i could have to um buy my food or get my food at the food shelf and do this program it's between me and god it's not between me and any other person so with that i pass thank you Thank you, Robin. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, this is Anne-Marie. Go ahead, Anne-Marie. Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, I was just uh, tuned into that first sentence. It is not a matter of giving that is in question, but when and how. And it reminds me of the on page 77 of the big book where it says, um, oops, here it is. Um, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And I'm just very grateful that to know that that is what my purpose is today in life, is to be a servant of God and to be of, to, to look and to seek out to see where I can be helpful. Um, when I was in the disease, in the food it, I was always looking to see who is going to help me. Go to a meeting and see where am I going to get some benefit from this. Call someone up and see how are they going to help me. And it's turned around. Um, you know, my attitude has turned around only because I've worked these steps thoroughly. That now I'm seeking out to see where I can be helpful. And it's such a wonderful feeling. It's such a good feeling to know that... Um, I am being helpful, and that is my purpose. Um, so I really uh, like that sentence. It's not a matter of giving. It's when am I going to give and how am I going to give? That's the question. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, this this paragraph speaks so clearly to me once again, that these alcoholics, these recovered alcoholics are giving me their experience in this paragraph. You know, what do they see? What was common? What was common when they started to try to help other suffering alcoholics? You know, so what's going to be true for me may be the same thing that was true for them. And you start working with that newcomer. You start working with that newcomer and what the, what, what is the first thing that newcomer really, really, really needs to learn is that reliance has to happen with God. That reliance upon God is going to be what changes everything. Not reliance upon the human sponsor standing before them, but reliance upon God. And we can offer friendship and fellowship don't get me wrong. We offer friendship and fellowship. We offer our own experience because we know that intensive work with other alcoholics is what's going to keep us on that spiritual plane. That's what's going to keep us in recovery. But what often happens, I think, they're telling us with the newcomer, is they're going to have a lot of doubts and they're going to have a lot of stuff to say about well, but I I don't have a job right now, so how can I how can I uh, get abstinent? I don't have, um, you know, I my my home life is precarious, or I'm losing my apartment, or I'm losing my house, or or um, you know, all kinds of things, all these clamors from the material world that may seem to be the thing that's going to 
going to uh, stop them from getting this recovery. But underneath all of that fear is going to be reliance on God. You know, and we can show them that job or no job, wife or no wife. We simply cannot and do not stop drinking unless we have that reliance upon God and that we place that reliance and dependence upon God ahead of everything. And that's a lesson they're going to have to learn because that kind of willingness is an inside job. But we can show them from our own stories and we can show them from other people's stories around us in this recovery community that other people have faced those same things and still recovered. So we can show them that they're not alone in having those doubts and fears. They're not alone in being oh so human and thinking that these are the things that might stop them. But we can show them that what always makes that difference The difference between failure and success will be our assistance upon God. You know, our insistence that that reliance come from God. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Sarah. Can I share? Leah. Go ahead, Sarah, and then Leah. um, It's hard to add. This is Good Morning Vision for you. This is Sarah. Compulsive Eater from New York, and I, it's hard to um, add on to the heels of the beautiful things that have been shared, but um, this, this, parag- this sentence, some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth, job or no job, wife or no wife. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place the dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. And I think back to when I had no job, and when I was in so full of resentment that I sometimes wished I had no husband because it was just too painful to have to live. Who And thank God, you know, for this program, I've now fallen in love with the man I married and, um, and I'm able to show up on a job um, responsibly. But when in this disease, and I think in, in every, I needed to learn that no matter what my circumstances, I used to think that if I would only speak to this recovered person or if I'd only speak to this person or to that person or if I'd only have that kind of sponsor, if I'd only have um, this circumstance within my program, then I could recover. If I'd only, you know, I was totally dependent upon um, being connected to the one, the one, and I, and I needed to learn that I needed to be connected to the one, the one God who was going to restore me to sanity. And, and, every day, and to this day, every day, when I think that if I only speak to this person or that person, then I'm going to get my thinking straight. And it's, the truth is that when I place my reliance upon God, when I, when I, surrender myself completely and I and I kind of um like take myself out of this world and it's just me and God and I just let go and I let go of all the people places things and institutions in my world you know even you know learning from this big book even Everything, everything, including all the people that I think that I need to connect with in order to learn what I need to learn. I need to learn to connect with God. I need to learn to to get on my knees, whether physically or spiritually, to just completely connect. Just it's God, it's just me and you. Show me what I need to see. Show me gently where I need to go. Give me the strength to do what I need to do. Give me the wisdom to ask God for that wisdom, to ask God for that strength, for ask God for that perspective, for asking God to to show me and direct me and to give me the strength. We say it in the serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I'm not God and nobody in this program, no sponsor, no meeting, nothing. There's no one here who has the power to change circumstance other than God. Either he's going to change circumstance or he's going to change my perspective on that circumstance. 
but no one here has that power other than God. And, you know, burn, um, where does it say it here? Um, burn the, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man. Well, this is okay. The next paragraph, but, um, basically it's just letting go of the rest of the world. Just me and God, God show me and direct me and, and, and all the pretenses and all the, the imagery and all the, the, the ego and all the self-seeking and all the dishonesty and letting go of all of that and just being humbly asking God for direction, good, orderly direction. And then, you know, it, and then the answers will come. The answers will come and the miracles happen when I let go of needing everything or anyone else other than God. In all its, in the purity and sincerity and honesty of that um, humble reliance and dependence on God, it's, it's, it really that's where the miracles happen. Anyway, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah, recovered compulsive overeater. He clamors for this or that claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Well, first of all, people like me, real compulsive overeaters, we don't master. You know, we don't master the substance. The substance is the master over me. Lack of power was my dilemma. So, you know, although we may clamor for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for, whatever I direct my life towards, that's what will run my life. If I direct my life towards thinking that I've got to get this job under control and that's what's going to run my life, you know, and that's what I'm going to direct my life towards, well, you know, that's, that'll bring confusion. That's what, will, that's what will run my life or a relationship or money, material possessions. It says some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth, job or no job, wife or no wife. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. I mean, how clear could the big book be that my dependence had to be on God? My basic flaw my, had been this faulty dependence, this dependence on people, this dependence on circumstances to supply me with a sense of security and a feeling of well-being and a feeling of contentment and then I could work on my recovery you know that's faulty that is faulty because failing to get those things according to my wishes and my demands and my specifications led to continuously fighting everything and everybody and it led to continued restlessness and irritability and discontentment I mean external conditions like job like people, we're never a remedy for an internal condition called compulsive overeating. Never a remedy. It didn't matter how hard, how much I tried to rearrange the characters on my stage of life. It never, it never gave me the freedom from the bags and the boxes. Never, 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 never. I had to learn that God had to be number one in my life. It was God, and the quality of this consciousness with God will determine how my life goes today and what my future looks like. That's why when these people pen these pages, they were able to say, hey, we are hundreds of people, and we are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of our lives. We have a spiritual malady. I had to learn I had a spiritual malady. If I have a spiritual malady, an illness of the spirit, a gangrene of my spirit, then what is going to be the solution to that? The solution is going to be spiritual in nature. It's not going to be job. It's not going to be wife. It's not going to be having certain material possessions. 
And I had to learn this from the get-go, that the recovery process and my relationship with God had to be number one. It had to come before everything. Yes, sponsors were helpful. Absolutely. Yes, they're tour guides through the steps, 100%. Yes, they shared their experience, strength, and hope. But I had to understand that this relationship with God was going to have to be the end-all and be-all that this was going to be the ticket to freedom, that external conditions were never a remedy for an internal condition like compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, it's Carol. Go ahead, Carol. Good morning, everyone. My name is Carol. I'm a compulsive overeater. The line that stood out for me was that often makes the difference between failure and success. And when I read that, no matter where I read it in the big book, I hear it often makes the difference between life and death. Though I physically wasn't, you know, ending my life, it was black when I was using, you know, using food. My life was black. There was no joy. There was no happiness. I'd, you know, put my smile on in the morning with my lipstick and out the door I'd go. But inside it was black and gray and unhappy. And, um, boy, to, to enable someone else uh, by letting them, you know, job or no job, wife or no wife, use the excuses to uh, put their dependence somewhere else is just death. It's emotional death, it's spiritual death, and eventually it would be physical death if I kept using the way I was using so I'm grateful for all of you being here. I'll pass. Thank you, Carol. We'd like to move on Sharon. to the next. Oh, go ahead, Sharon. Uh, good morning. This is Sharon. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Very glad to be on the line with you this morning. I, in looking at this line or this paragraph, it's just very interesting to me that it it says here that as long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence upon God, um, we're going to continue to have problems. And it's, it's, what's interesting is that there's a ambiguity that's taking place, and I find that that's within me. There's this reliance, this self, this huge self-reliance, this uh, resistance to uh, uh, consciously be in contact with other people uh, and this, this strong desire to just be reliant upon myself that, and, and we see it in, in, in uh, isolation and so forth. Yet, we find that we're very dependent upon people. We're dependent upon what they think about us. We're dependent, I find this so much in myself, dependent upon uh, and so influenced by uh, outside forces. And what we did when we did our fourth step was we tried to recognize that dependency on other people. We tried to, what we were working toward is seeing how we were so influenced by what other people said and did. And we worked to break that dependence so that we can get away from that vagueness about life, that um, uh, not being able to live life on life terms, but ha- but being willing to live it in that shadowy world. And so we did our fourth step so that we could get clarity, so that we could understand where we were relying upon other people, where we were dependent very much on what people thought about us and how much they influenced us. And so I say this with, with respect to us, so this paragraph is talking about the people that we're going to be working with, 
but it's by us recognizing and our role that um, I don't think I'm pushing the button. I'm hearing a button being pushed. I don't think that's coming from me. But um, so what this what I'm realizing in this paragraph, and it's just so real to me, again, is just that how dependent I am and then the people that I'm coming in contact that I'm going to be working with, they have that that dichotomy where they're wanting to be self-reliant, yet they're still uh, having these dependencies on other people and maybe even wanting to depend upon me. So I need to be sure that I stay within my own boundaries, that I stay within myself. So I'm going to pass. The next paragraph, Robin, would you read that for us? Sure, I'm Robin, a compulsive overeater. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. Should I continue, Janice? Yes. Now the domestic problem. There may be divorce, separation, or just strained relations. When your prospect has made such reparation as he can to his family and has thoroughly explained to them the new principle by which he's living, he should proceed to put those principles into action at home. That is, if he is lucky enough to have a home. Though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. Argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. In many homes, this is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done if any results are to be expected. If persisted in for a few months, the effect on a man's family is sure to be great. The most incompatible people discover they have a basis upon which they can meet. Little by little, the family may see their own defects and admit them. These can then be discussed in an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. Well, this is a perfect paragraph for me to read because this program saved my marriage. And... Um, you know, once again, we're talking about how to sponsor. The way I was sponsored was every time I came up with something that my husband had done, well, first of all, I'd like to admit that in the beginning I thought my husband was my worst torturer, and he became my my greatest teacher as time went by. And whenever I complained about any of the things that he was doing, he left the toilet seat up, he forgot to close the garage door, I would be told, Trust in God and clean house. Trust in God and clean house. Trust in God and clean house. And the focal, the focus that I was being taught was to take my focus off of him and to work my own program, to leave him out of the equation completely and work my program, which we learn how to do in steps four through nine. Um. Though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration, and that's really hard to do sometimes. But the truth of the matter is that if I keep the focus on myself, if I am truly working on my character defects and leaving the other person out of the equation, good things start to happen. I um, have been so amazed at the fact that I can go to a meeting, I was able to go to a meeting and be so angry at my husband and come home and he would look wonderful. He changed a lot while I was at that meeting and it was not because he was doing anything. It was because I was doing something. I was changing my my perspective. I was um, paying attention to my higher power. I was turning things over. So... Um, and little by little, the family may see their own defects and admit them. Well, that's wonderful. That's a good thing, but not sitting around waiting for that because that then I'm doing this all with the expectation that the other person is going to change. And the real bottom line here for me is that between me and my higher power, I'm putting myself back together. I'm allowing my higher power to heal me so that I can be of service to my family, not to require anything of them or to demand anything of them 
or to require that they make me feel good or make me feel better or take care of me. I'm I'm starting a personal relationship with my higher power, and in these paragraphs, then I can carry that on and teach that to the next person because if it works for me, it can work for them too. And with that, I'll pass. Press star one to unmute. This is Paula Mancia. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. This would be book Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thank you for your service. You know, okay, so we finished the nonsense. And now we're going in to burn the idea into the consciousness. You know, in burning the idea, think of, um, oh, well, maybe even today, they burn, they brand the, um, the name of the, who you belong to on the um, ranch, and so be the PD ranch, which I don't on by the way. But that gift, burning the idea, so you don't forget, so you don't forget to who you belong and who is it here. It continues to say, God, God, God. Enter the consciousness, the very part of you that thinks. Isn't that where it all begins? of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. Anyone is people, honey. That's what's in this world. People, places, and things. But it doesn't matter regardless of anyone. And I'll tell you how blessed I was to listen to this meeting and to follow. To know full well that I was following some wonderful people and I know who they follow. I know who they follow. I know who's in the lead here. And it ain't me. It ain't me. What a blessing. And then it says, oh, there is a condition, by the way. And this is your life. Trust God. Just trust in God. No matter what you see, no matter what the circumstances are outside, don't take your eyes off. And then it says, clean house. Yeah, you know those spots that we tend to miss, that we tend to miss. Because, honey, I got a pen light on my house. But I got a searchlight on you. Oh, reverse that girl. God will show you. God will guide you. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. And I anxiously await for the next. Hi, can I share? And who is it? This is Brittany. Go ahead, Brittany. Hi, I'm Brittany Compulsive Overeater. I really appreciate everything that's been shared today, as well as the reading. Um, what really stuck out for me is uh, first burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. What a relief today for me. I don't need my mother. I don't need my best friend. My father doesn't have to approve. I don't need anyone to get well. I just rely on my higher power. And that gives me the space and the opportunity that I desire to just become a better, better person. And then I'm not doing it alone. I have fellows. I have my higher power. Today I'm not carrying the burden of compulsive overeating with myself. It's not a secret. And I'm only as sick as my secret. And I'm just really grateful for that today. And I'm also grateful for the next sentence that says, the only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. I have that as an affirmation on my bathroom door. Trust God, clean house, help others. That's all I have to do today is just trust God and keep cleaning my side of the street and everything else will work itself out. I'm just so grateful today for this meeting and everything that I've heard because it's exactly what I need to hear. And I know now that I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm going to continue to trust God and clean my house, clean my side of the street, and just trust that God will put in my life what needs to be there. I don't have to scramble or pull for anything. Thank you for letting me share today. Everyone have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you, Brittany. Would anyone else like to comment? Sarah, Christy. I heard Sarah and then Christy. Though his family be be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual dimension, his own spiritual demonstration. Arguments and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. 
In many homes, this is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done if any results are to be expected. Oh, my God. This was like my story forever and ever. And I had a sponsor who told me daily, you can't carpet the world, so put on slippers. And I really needed to learn that. You can't carpet the world, so put on slippers. And I just had to concentrate on my own spiritual demonstration. And the more and to the extent that I've changed myself and that I've focused on on who I am and how I'm showing up in the world and love and tolerance being my code and changing my perspective on things, changing my perspective is changing and changing my behavior and changing my attitudes is changing my reality completely has changed my reality. It has completely changed my whole my whole relationship and my whole perspective on the people in my family so that um you know argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague because they it just reinforces the exact things that I need to be rid of that I need to absolutely rid myself of. And it's mold. It's like the mold. Clean house. Get rid of the mold. And what's that mold? The mold is my self-seeking, my self-centeredness, my resentments, my judgments, my, uh, my uh, me, myself, and I, 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 I. And, and me being the victim, me being the martyr, concentrating on my own sp- spiritual demonstration um, is the is the atmosphere that changes it into um, an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. It's a beautiful thing, this program. It's a beautiful, these clear-cut directions, exactly what I need to do and exactly how I need to do it. Thank you. With that I pass. Thank you, Sarah. Christy. Hi, good morning, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, my abstinence dates, without exception, from September 9th of 2001. And, you know, on September 8th of 2001, I was not saying to myself, wow, I wonder if um, what I need to do is trust in God and clean house. I wonder if that would work for me. That is not at all what I walked into recovery with the thought of doing. You know, I, I didn't, I, I was desperate. I walked in with a desire to stop eating compulsively, and that was it. You know, my disease had done its job. My disease had done its job and got me to a point of being desperate, of sick and tired, of being sick and tired. You know, I didn't care whether you told me, you know, I had to trust in God and clean house, but that's not what I walked into the rooms with or ready to do. But I was ready to do anything you told me to get well. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it takes. You know, take away my relationship. You know, at the time I'd been unemployed for months. For months I'd been unemployed, and I said, I don't care whether I don't ever get a job. I don't care what it takes. And, um, you know... Unfortunately, you know, that happened to be a prayer that was listened to. I did eventually find a job, thank goodness, um, and the relationship I'd been in for 13 years ended. You know, it ended. I'd done too much damage. 11 out of the 13 years I was in that relationship, I was in active addiction. And if you don't think that food causes problems in relationships, I'm here to tell you that it did for me. You know, maybe it wouldn't for you, but it certainly did for me. And, um, you know, having, you know, getting to that point for me of that desperation, I, I was willing to do anything. I was willing to do anything, even trust in God, even establish a relationship with God, even believe in the idea of a power greater than myself. I mean, I was that desperate. That's how desperate I was. And, um, you know, having gotten to that point, you know, right on the edge of the cliff, it's like, okay, I'm going to trust what other people are telling me is working for them. And you know what? It worked for me. It worked for me. So that regardless of what has happened in my life, I, you know, I established that, 
that trust in our power greater than myself way back in the beginning, way back in the beginning when I had nothing else, when I had nothing else. And it has proved to be a solid foundation for me in my life and recovery that is beyond anything I ever could have imagined. You could never have told me that that would happen. I had to experience it for myself. And for me, the way I got it was by, you know, paying the painful price of admission into this program. And, you know, for you, you know, I don't know where you are today in your life um, and in your uh, surrender and in your desperation, but I hope you're at the jumping off place because that, for me, is what has completely changed my life and allowed my life to be transformed in ways I never ever could have imagined, ever, ever, ever could have imagined. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's here for everybody. This big book is here for everybody. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? Monica. Did I hear Katie? And then Monica. who after Katie? Monica. Katie. Katie. Go ahead, Katie. I think, I think Monica, Monica is Okay, Monica. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone or anything. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. You know, um, we had a, I had a hole in my soul, and nothing filled it for me. Not anything material, not any person, not any place, no bakery box, you know, no relationship with anyone. None of that worked. I was miserable. I was restless, irritable, and discontented. What? And I'm powerless. I'm powerless. And so I needed something greater than I. I needed a higher, a higher power, and that's God. And how do I get that? I get that from walking into the rooms and being willing and honest to do the work, to do the steps. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. You know, you come in with some willingness and some honesty and you start taking actions. And this, and you will... You, this relationship with God will develop, will come about. You will really come to see and, and start really trusting in God. And the other thing I wanted to say, argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. What's the plague? It's a curse of a disease. It's contagious. It's fatal. You know, when we get into that vicious circle or cycle of, argue, of argumenting, of argument and fault finding, you know, nobody ever wins with that. That never, that would never work for Monica. You know, it's just a big cycle. And um, today, it's like, you know, Monica, keep your mouth shut. I don't have to be right all the time. You know, I always had to be right. I had to put in the last word. What did that get me? Misery. So today, I have a little prayer that I'd share with you. It's God. Keep your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. So, Monica, you know, keep your mouth shut. No, you don't have to be number one because when you start fault-finding and getting into arguments, nobody wins. So if you are in this process, take some actions, work these steps, and you will get this trust and reliance on God. And it is God, God, God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Irini. <clears throat> Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. You know, um, these steps to me are, I consider them steps to heaven. Because <laughs> the first three steps is all about trusting God. And then we have 4 through 11. It shows me how to clean house. And what is that? That's my mind. That's my life. And how do I keep it in order? And then I get to show others in step 12 how to do the same. So it's through these actions that we restore and we rebuild ourselves 
to what God intended us to be. And this is how we grow in our spiritual life. You know, trust means to have confidence that everything will be taken care of. And by whom? By God. You know, trust is the main ingredient to surrender. Don't we, you, don't we usually trust our loved ones? Just as we trust and love our families and our friends, it's the same thing. God is the only true one that can trust, that can be trusted 100%. So the more we trust, the closer we get to him, the closer we become to him. And then trust melts away fear. And then cleaning house is to be totally honest in our character and see where we are wrong and, and immediately correct it. And that's steps four through ten. It's our inventory, removing our defects and making amends on a daily basis. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. And Barrett. Hi, this is Barrett, a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, when I think about this paragraph, I think, and, you know, we are directed to trust God, clean house, and help others. And clean house today, I know it's very deeply by going through the process of step four, five, six, seven, is that I'm not supposed to seek to change anyone. So by helping others, especially if it's about my family, if someone approaches me outside the world and asking for help, yay, I can help others. But um, with my own family, what I found, and I think what I'm told here, is that I can only be an example. And the way to do it is just to practice by myself, trusting God and practice the spiritual principles and not trying to argue. And the truth is, when I think about it, all my life in the disease, I try to control and argue. Why would anyone in my family trust me? Why would they take my word seriously or my experience that haven't showed any good about the past? And the only way to gain their trust again is by practicing my trust in my God, in my higher power, in every aspect in my life. And the only way it's going to happen is by them seeing me changing and by me just practicing and keep on willing to go to any length to keep changing. And that's my only way to to get them to see that. And, of course, by keeping my house clean, not by having any expectations anymore of changing someone else. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Varen. This is Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater like to comment on a couple things here. Thank you for everyone who's been sharing. You know, I I I've oftentimes heard and said myself that that, you know, in in my food uh fog and, and in the disease, my tools for living were a knife and a fork and a spoon. Well then I get abstinent. You know, then I get sober like they're talking about here. I start trying to rely on God. But what happens until I've recovered. Until I've recovered, what are my tools now? My tools are isolation and self-pity and criticism and silent scorn and judgment and control. Those were then the tools that I picked up and tried to use. So it says that I can get well regardless of anyone as long as I trust in God, clean house, clean house, and then I can help others. So if I'm doing my step work, if I'm if I'm diving in, if I'm doing working the steps as if my life depends on it, then everything's going to shift. And my domestic situation, my situation at home, can't help but be changed as well. Because now I'm I'm picking up some new tools. I'm trying to live by spiritual principles. I'm trying to be helpful. You know, hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And so as I began to hurt less and recover, I could find myself being helpful. You know, I could concentrate. It says he should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. 
his own spiritual demonstration. If I'm relying on God, if, I'm, if I've had that burned into my consciousness now and I'm relying on God to direct my thinking, then how everything else unfolds is going to be so much better. But I have to, it's, if persisted for a few months, the effect on a man's family is sure to be great. Well, what am I going to persist with? I'm going to keep going to my meetings. I'm going to keep calling people on the telephone. I'm going to keep doing my step work. I'm going to keep relying on the fellowship to help direct my thinking. You know, when I'm disturbed, I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to ask them to, you know, talk me off the ledge and help me to see things differently. I'm going to be more helpful and positive. And that's going to blanket my home life as well. You know, that's what's going to happen. Little by little, it's going to happen at home as well. If I keep my mouth shut and not argue, if I try to see that I've affected these people that I've been living with and give them an opportunity to get well as well. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment before we close? This is Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. Just a few things, a lot of wisdom coming out today. And these paragraphs burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. You know, they use that word burn. When I think of burn, you know, I think of burning of the flesh. You know, you're actually altering, altering. It's a, it's a change that's permanent. So it's teaching me here, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. Um, You know, I need to be restored to sanity. In order to be restored to sanity, according to the big book, it's not going to be any of any human creation. You know, it's certainly not going to be my inner strength. It's certainly not going to be any will that I can muster up. None of those things is is enough. I can't restore. I can't get well on my own. A sick mind can't heal a sick mind. Neither can any other human being. I need the help of God. I need the help of God. God. Uh, so the only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. Clean house is exactly what the steps allow to happen. Steps four through nine allow for that process. Looking further down when it says when your prospect has made such reparation as he can to his family, and of course that's done in steps eight and nine where we make an amends, and has thoroughly explained to them the new principles by which he is living, he should proceed. He should continue to put those principles into action at home. Practice these principles in all our affairs. I mean, it's easy to practice uh, these principles on the phone line. You know, I love you, and, and perhaps some of you love me, and we do our best not to hurt one another on this hour together. Uh, but we only have, uh, you know, an hour together or so. What do, we, what do I do with the 23 other hours of my day? How do I live those other 23 hours? Can I practice these principles at home with my husband, with my children? Can I uh, realize that I cannot control other people? Do I treat my husband courteously? These are some of the things that the big book's teaching me this morning. And it goes on to say, and then I'll close up, though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. I mean, the bottom line is that my behavior in disease aggravated the defects of other people. It says he should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. Argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. You know, argument uh, is to a marriage what the iceberg was to the Titanic. (laughs) I mean, it just destroys a marriage. So the big book teaches me that my expectations are my lenses to the world. That's what spiritual work is all about. And to the degree that I demand anything from anyone, my husband, my children, etc., is my emotional sobriety impossible? Wise words from the text, and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Deb, would you please read that for us? You're more than happy to do so. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Deb, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transplant something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you 